0: We've been talking through this series. We've been going verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. And not every message, not every series that we do here at Connective Church is going to be verse by verse. Sometimes we're going to have a topical series. That's like where we talk about marriage for uh for four weeks or six weeks or whatever we talk about you know our finances or we talk about parenting or we talk about what's something else is going on in the world or healing or overcoming that's a topical message and so what happens is is when pastors do that they find passages of scripture that that kind of tie into that topic but what we're doing is we're walking through 1 Corinthians, because we want to see the themes of the book. We want to see, like, what is this book? What is this book of 1 Corinthians? Not the whole Bible, but just the letter of 1 Corinthians. What does it have to say to us. And we've talked about how Corinth was a lot like us. The society that those guys lived in was a lot like the United States that we live today. There was uh, immorality and there was all kind of like religious diversity. People believing different things and arguing and, and saying different things. And there was corruption in the world. And, and we realized that that's a lot like what we're doing. And Paul was trying to get this group of people to just come together. He's just trying to get them to come together. And so chapters 12 to 14 that we've studied, you can go back and see it online, is um, it was about spiritual gifts. The most important that we found was in chapter 13, and that was love. Last week, we looked at an often misinterpreted and misapplied passage in chapter 14, uh, where it's not, and we saw in verse 26 through 40, it's not that, that one sex is greater than the other or one gender is greater than the other or more prominent than the other. Rather, we understood the text as telling us that in our culture, we have to look, if we've been given opportunities, opportunities in this case was education, if we've been given opportunities, It's our responsibility to help those around us who haven't been given those opportunities. So what can happen is is a lot lot of times what we'll do is you'll see people say, well, if they only worked hard as me or if they only applied themselves or if they only did what I do, if they only lived like I live, then, then they wouldn't be struggling like they're struggling. But it's what Paul was telling them is saying, hey, if you've been given opportunities, put your arm around those who haven't and help them along. This weekend... We're in chapter 15. Chapter 15 is the third longest chapter in the New Testament, right? So when you go to dinner or to lunch this afternoon, and they have the little trivia games on the screens, and the trivia game says, what's the third longest chapter in the New Testament? Now you know. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, right? I guarantee you that will never be on there. But it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is the third longest chapter in the New Testament. We're going to cover all of it this week. But what that's going to mean is that I'm going to be moving really fast, and I just need you all to stay with me, okay? Everybody feel good? All right. Feeling good? Do we need to jump in jacks? No? Alright, let's go. First Corinthians, uh, 15. It anchors, this, this, this chapter anchors the letter to the, the Corinthians. It, this letter's covered everything from marriage to spiritual gifts to division in the church to communion to spiritual authority to coveting the position and gifts of other people to wrapping your arms around those who don't have the same opportunities like we talked about. It's covered all those things, but Paul says that there is one thing that our hopes and beliefs hang on. One thing that if it was not true, all that we do here in church would be a waste of time. So what is that one thing? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you have received, in which you stand, by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you, uh, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. For I have delivered to you the first As of first importance, what I have received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. Notice he says in accordance with scriptures two times. He he died, he was buried, and then he was raised. We see this picture when we talk about baptism. When we talk about baptism, there was Two ordinances or two things that were given to the church to mark what happened to Christ. One, we just did in communion. The, 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 cup that we took the the juice that you took that represents jesus blood that was spilled for us the the bread was his body that was broken for us that's we do this to remember his death in baptism what we do that's a sign that we 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 as we go under the water that our old life has died and that we have new life in jesus as we come back up it's a sign of death and resurrection right and so if you're interested in getting baptized, just let me know. I know a couple of weeks ago, some of the kids I was talking to you guys and you're like, hey, I want to get baptized. Well, talk to me, talk to your parents, let's make this happen, right? It's a sign of death and resurrection. So those are the two things that we, we were given. The gospel or the good news in Paul's mind, in the writer's mind, didn't hinge necessarily on what you thought or what you believed. It's, impo- it's, it's possible for us to believe in Jesus that he existed, that he was a good guy, and, and, and still that our belief be in vain if we don't put our faith and our hope in the resurrection. The resurrection is what this whole thing centers on. It's not a story. It really happened. Jesus died completely dead, no pulse, dead, and then he rose. Again, Romans tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God, what? That he he was raised from the dead, we will be saved. The resurrection is what everything centers on. It centers on everything. All of our belief, all of our study, there's a word called theology. It's the study of, of, of God. And all of that rests upon the resurrection. It's not just uh, we, but but it's not just about what we believe. It's about knowing that the resurrection is true. The resurrection changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. Every person alive throughout human history had to deal with one reality. We spoke different languages. We had different things. If you, um, when I was born, kids, we didn't have smartphones, right? How I many of you guys remember those days, right? Remember those days where we didn't have smartphones? Remember those days where you had to actually like go talk to your friends, like in person? Or on the phone that had the cord attached to it that like you had to like, you had to stay within a certain proximity of the phone because there was a cord attached. You guys remember that, right? The kids were like, what are you guys talking about? What is this? No, it, it was different. It was different. But even before that, even before the telephone, before the TV, humans have had to deal with all kind of different things in life. We had, used to be where people had to travel around to find food. We were studying that, me and Maisie, this, uh, this week, where f- people had to travel to find food. Then all of a sudden we figured out how to plant water. And then now we could live in close proximity to one another. Different challenges have happened throughout human history that different people have. We speak different languages. We do different things. We have different education levels. But there is one thing that ties us all together. We all are going to die. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? <laughs> We're all going to die. That's something that we all face. It's a reality that we all face. Some people run through it. Uh, some people uh, run from it. Some people run even from the appearance of it through diets and hair coloring and trying to dress like younger people and Botox and all the stuff that people do to try to make themselves look younger. We're running from the idea that death is approaching. It is approaching us, Americans in 2016, Americans spent, just Americans, this is not worldwide, this is just us, guys, just us, spent $16 billion trying to make ourselves look younger. $16 billion just trying to make ourselves look younger. But one thing is absolutely certain for all of us, one day, whether it be days from now or decades from now, death is coming. But the good news that Paul says, that Paul shares with us, is that there is resurrection. There is, there is, uh, death does not get the final word. Death does not, it seems final to us, it seems like a harsh reality, but Paul tells people that that there's 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 a lot of people that saw Jesus after his resurrection. So Jesus' resurrection must be true. In verse four, he says this: that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas, that was uh, Peter, and then the twelve, and he appeared to more than five hundred other brothers at one time, and most of all who are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, some of some of them have passed. He's saying at this time that he wrote this letter. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last. First of all, to, as one of untim- that was untimely born, who, or one that wasn't there on time, or didn't make it to those meetings, he appeared also to me. That's what Paul is saying. He appeared to me. Some Christians, though, today struggle with this idea of the resurrection that. That they, they, they think that it, it, it's something that was just a story or did that really happen or what? it... Yes, it absolutely happened. If we think that believing the right things creates transformation, then we misunderstand that, that uh, the hold that sin has on our lives if the resurrection wasn't true. I grew up in the Bible Belt. I heard a pastor once say that in that part of the world, it's really hard to con, uh, to see someone saved because the first thing you have to do is you have to convince them that they're lost like you grew up going to church you grew up doing things you grew up uh that like I remember you know the hymns that grandma taught me and I I learned John 316 when I was in 3rd grade and people just do that but then they don't let that belief let that belief transform their life they don't have an old life that, that was their, their, their drive, their control, their desires, seeking their own way. That old life that passed, that was buried, and then a new life in Christ that was resurrected where life is about Him. We are lost in our old way. We are found in Jesus. And so for some people, you actually have to convince them that they're lost. Because they grew up in a, in an environment to where this stuff was just kind of part of what they did, but they never actually surrendered their whole life to Jesus. We have to surrender our whole life, our emotions, our thoughts, our feelings, our whole heart, our whole mind. We have to surrender all of us to Jesus. Let the old man die so that new life can be raised in him. We do that in the spirit with the hopes that someday that will happen to us in the natural. When we die, that death does not get the final word. We are raised to life in him our citizenship in the kingdom isn't about thinking the right things or going to the right places or believing the right things. You, you, you are believing the right things. You've heard it said this, that you can be in a car. Or you. Sorry, I've messed that analogy up. Let me back up. All right. So you've heard it said this way. Just because you're standing in a garage does not make you a car, right? Just because I'm standing in the Suns arena does not make me a player for the Suns, right? No, I have to do the right things. I have to become the right, I have to have my identity changed from the inside out for me to become whatever it is I need to become. And that's what Paul is talking about, that the resurrection changes us from the inside out. It does, God does something fresh and new in us. In Second Timothy 3, verse 1 through 5, he says this, but understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous. Do you know any? Anybody like this? Uh, without self-control, brutal, not loving, treacherous, reckless, reckless swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure, pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here's what he says. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. It's not about us uh, doing the right things or or, or being in the right places. It's about God transforming us from the inside out. The power of God is shown through the resurrection. It's It's possible for me, according to James 2, to believe that Jesus existed but still hold on to sin in my own life. The James 2 says this, that even the demons believe that Jesus existed. I can still do my own thing, live my own way, have my own thoughts, and still think, oh yeah, Jesus is nice for me to agree with when he agrees with me, but when he doesn't agree with me, then I'm just going to do my own thing still. So many people live like that. But the resurrection shows us that once and for all, sin And death has been dealt with. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23 For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin and death, if we look through scripture from Genesis uh, chapter 3, where Adam sinned and death entered the world, to Revelation chapter 22, when sin is no more and death is no more, sin and death are tied together in the Bible. Jesus deals with our sin on the cross, taking the punishment of, of our sin on himself. He dies. That's the punishment of sin. He takes that on himself, and then he deals with death. He conquers sin on the cross. He conquers death in the resurrection showing that death has no hold on him so we can't continue to live like the old way we can't continue to say i'm gonna have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom no we have to die to ourselves we have to die to that old way of thinking we can't pick and choose what parts of the bible we want to believe and what we want to agree with we have to say god you can have all of me I'm going to let all of me die and then I'm going to come into your kingdom and and let you um, raise me back to life. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20 it says this, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of all who have fallen asleep for as as by a man came death through Adam came death by a man has come also the resurrection from the dead. For as Adam as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ is the first, which means Christ is the first one that did this. Christ is the first among all men. He's the, the number one. He's the one that we look at. He's our example. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ, so when we, when we belong to him, we will be raised again. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God, uh, delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. That's the good news for us. We know that because Jesus conquered death on the cross for himself, he will destroy death for all who believe in him. Verse 42, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is, imper- is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. What is sown in dis, is in dishonor, it is raised in glory. What is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. He uses this concept of the seed being planted. If I plant a seed, it's not it changes, it transforms, it doesn't stay the same. It comes it, it has to almost die in its current state. It has to change and, and be made different. And so he uses this analogy to show us that as just as a seed is planted into a ground in a seed seed that's a sunflower doesn't look like a sunflower when it sprouts it's different it looks different it changes the life of our seed this life is our seed and one day we will be buried but the new life will rise out of it when we are placed into the ground we are perishable we're capable of death but when we are raised again death cannot touch us He says, sown in dishonor and sown in weakness. If you've ever sat with someone on death's door, you know this to be true. It is a tough place to be. It's a hard place to be. It's not the most dignified that a person can be when they're grasping for their last breath. But Paul says what is this? dishonor will be raised in glory. Weakness will be raised in power. If Jesus defeated death on the cross, then why must we die? Why why do why is death still with us? Couldn't he have simply just put an end to death in the grave all with his own resurrection? Yeah, he absolutely could have. But the point is that the, this point, this season that we're in where we're still dealing with death, waiting on his return is an opportunity for people like you and people like me to say, you know what, I want this life that I have right now, this life in the natural, this life that I'm experiencing right now. I want the breath in my lungs right now to be submitted to God so that it can echo in eternity it's not just about that that this life is going to pass and and then we're just going to do our thing no what we do now can echo in eternity this period of the church that we're in between Jesus resurrection and his return is where God is giving the opportunity God is giving the opportunity for the gospel to spread to the world and people like you and I to believe in Jesus So that, like Jesus, death does not have the final word for us. Our death ends the chapter of our book, but it doesn't end the book. There's a new chapter that begins in eternity. So why must we die? The, uh, First Corinthians, he tells us this in verse 50. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot I- inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all fall asleep so not all of us are going to die not every christian is going to die but we will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of the eye jesus will come back for his church at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable those who have perished will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed for this perishable body must put on the imperishable this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then it shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? This is good news for you and I. This is good news for you and I. Even if so many times we pray for healing, we pray for healing, and, and, and I've seen people healed of cancer, I've seen people healed of that, but what we know is that for all of us that there's something. If you get healed from cancer, you might have a heart attack. If you get healed from a heart attack, you might get hit by a bus. You know, there's something, death is coming. But we will be raised again. Death does not get the final word. It does not get the final word over our lives. When he says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? He's quoting Isaiah and Hosea here. And the audience that heard it would have understand the reference and and. So let's just look at that reference real quick. Isaiah 25, verse eight and nine. He swallowed up death forever. The Lord will wipe away tears from all the faces. The reproach of his people he will take away from the earth for the Lord has spoken. It will be on that day, behold, it will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Hosea 13 verse 14. I will deliver this people from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Where, O death, are your plagues? Where, O grave, is your destruction? Paul finishes his thoughts with this in verse 58 in First Corinthians 15. He says this, the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. You and I cannot live up to God's standard. Without Christ, if you and I tried to do it on our own, if you and I were like, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to be the best person that I can possibly be. You cannot do it on your own because the law is there. The law is there to, to that, that shows the power of sin in our lives. But then he says this, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We must allow God to deal with our sin. When God deals with our sin, he also deals with our death. Do you see how those things tie together? When I allow God to deal with my sin, I also allow him to deal with my death. If I want to continue to live in sin, if I want to continue doing whatever I want to do, acting however I want to act, doing the things my own way. Now, I'm not talking about mistakes that we make. We all make mistakes. How many of you guys, I've done it this week. I, was in a, I had a conversation with somebody, and after the conversation, I was like, man, I wish I wouldn't have said it that way. That's a mistake. And you know what? God's, God's grace covers that. What I'm talking about is a willful sin in your life. I'm just going to do this because it feels good, because I want to, because I can't. We have to let God deal with that part of us. We have to submit that part, that sin, that selfishness, those desires. We have to submit that to him. When God deals with my sin, then he deals with my death. Death does not get the final word. We are raised to life again. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you. That we can be forgiven. I thank you that we can be set free. The death has no hold on us. The grave has no hold on us. Because you've made us alive. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Here's the good news, guys. Sin doesn't have control over your life. Those who belong to Jesus' sin doesn't have control over you. Whereas the world is controlled is' run by desires paul talks about later in galatians he talks about how the desires of people that are are not submitted to jesus they they're just constantly drawn into sin those desires push us into sin you are free and this isn't the type of freedom you know of like man i was raised in a free country you know bless god you know no no this is the type of freedom where you are free down to your core It doesn't matter where you are, what's happening in the world around you, what's going on, you are free because Jesus has set you free from sin. And because he set you free from sin, he sets you free from death. So all of the destruction, everything you see around us, everything that's happening is crumbling. As soon as they built the school, it was brand new. All the paint was new. Have you guys ever built a house? You ever seen a house being built? Everything's brand new. But the second that you put that last nail in, the second that you put everything in, guess what happens? It starts to break down. You guys know that, you get a brand new toy, right? First thing that happens, it starts to break down. And we're living life like that. My knee right now, it hurts. 39 years old, I'm starting to break down, right? We live life like that where just things around us are falling apart. Things around us just seem like it's just not working like it should. It's just just breaking down. But the resurrection means that there is imperishable life on the other side of eternity, on the other side of death. There's an imperishable life there that won't break down. So if you're dealing with sickness right now, or you're dealing with how you look, how you see yourself, or you're dealing with with pain in your body, or you're dealing with whatever it is, just know this, the resurrection shows us that death has no hold on us. That's good news. How you feeling? You feeling good now, huh? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone here. I pray in Jesus' name that we would have an amazing week. I pray, Lord, that the life that you've given us through your resurrection, it would be so evident in our lives that people would stop us this week and ask what's different about us. And God, we would be able to tell them it's nothing about me. It's all about Jesus who's made me alive. I pray that your blessing be upon everyone today. In Jesus' name.